0: verse by verse through the book of Acts, and uh, looking forward to what God has in store for us uh, throughout the rest of the year. Uh, I hope your heart's been stirred as we've gone verse by verse through this book and been able to see the early church and how it operated and how it got up and going, and uh, I think tonight's message will be another encouragement to us. Let's stand, if we can, for the reading of God's word, Acts chapter number 8, verse number 26, if you're able to stand, please, if you would. And we'll read down through verse number 31. The Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, Read Esaias the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come and sit with him. The title of the sermon this evening is this, Witnessing in the Wilderness. Witnessing. In the wilderness, God took Philip away from something great that was happening in Samaria and sent him to the desert. And in this wilderness, this desert wilderness, something incredible happened. And so let's look at this passage tonight. Let's pray. Lord, help us to understand the sermon and be challenged by it. And Lord, help us to be um, encouraged to go forth and live lives that are pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Have you ever wondered how God could send someone to hell who has never heard the gospel? Have you ever been asked by someone else how God could send someone to hell who has never heard a clear presentation of the gospel? As a Christian, I have been asked this question many, many, many times. In fact, I think I've been asked this question on airplanes as much as anywhere else. Seemingly, when I've got a four-hour flight ahead of me, someone wants to ask me that question. And as a Christian, um, rather, this seems to be a difficult question to answer. But in all reality, it is not a difficult question to answer. God does not choose to send, nor does he desire for anyone to go to hell. Second Peter 3.9 says this, and I'll pick up in the middle of the verse, speaking of God, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is not God's will for anyone to go to hell. It is God's will for everyone to come to repentance and for everyone to go to heaven. God's desire is to take as many people to heaven as possible, but, but He expects each person to take the first steps toward Him. Romans chapter 1 tells us that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Everyone is born with a lean toward believing in God. Many times I have met people who claim to be an atheist, and I will sit with them and I will talk with them and engage with them, and somewhere in the conversation I ask this question. I ask, when did you convert atheism and every time I've asked that question the person has had an answer every single time you know why that is because you're born believing in God and you must make a conscious choice to cease believing in God why is it the default that we believe in God it is the default to believe in God because God created us and he put that there here's the principle light obeyed brings about more light Light ignored brings about less light. Light obeyed brings about more light. Light ignored brings about less light. God was doing a great work in Jerusalem. At the feast of uh, Pentecost, Jews from all over the world heard Peter and the apostles preach the gospel. 3,000 who resided in Jerusalem got saved and baptized and joined that local church. Many others were saved and went back home taking with them this new gospel light uh, that they had found. The church in Jerusalem had grown to be a mega church and God had allowed persecution um, uh, to hit the church. This this suffering caused the gospel seed to be spread throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. We looked at that uh, last week. But God wasn't quite done yet. He had more spreading of the gospel seed to do. Enter the eunuch from Ethiopia. The eunuch from Ethiopia. Tonight we will see the hand of God at work behind the scenes. And I believe that the way things played out with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch play out to this day all over the world on a regular basis. Somewhere there is someone trying to find their way to God and somewhere there is God working in some servant's heart who's yielded and willing to go to some unusual extremes in order to meet someone who would otherwise not be able to find the truth and God orchestrates this all the time whether we realize it or not. It isn't that God is sending people to hell because he's some mean God who hates people. It's that people ignore or the light they've been given, and as a result, end up going there because they never found their own way to God. They did not take steps toward God. When we draw nigh to God, James 4, 8 tells us that He will draw nigh to us. Amen? And that goes for the saved, but that also goes For the loss, one step toward God equals two steps closer to God. Because as you take a step, he takes a step. And the distance is cut down. And after two or three steps in a genuine effort, God is going to make sure that that person who's trying to find him does indeed find him. Why do so many people live their entire life and never get a clear presentation of the gospel? Well, is it because that God does not care about them? I don't think so. Boy, Jesus went to the cross in order to die for the sin of every human being. It isn't that God doesn't care about them. He became sin when He knew no sin so that we, humanity could be made the righteousness of God in Him. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, the world, the cosmos, mankind. And that goes for everyone on earth. It doesn't matter where you're born. It doesn't matter your culture. It doesn't matter what religion you were handed at birth. It doesn't matter how civilized or uncivilized uh, uh, the, the area of the world that you were born in is or was. God loves you just the same. And Jesus died for everyone who's ever lived just the same. So if someone dies and goes to hell, is it because Jesus didn't care about them or God did not care about them? No, it isn't. When people die and go to hell, is it possible that it is because that Christians don't care about them? And I would say that's far more likely. Christians are not doing their job like Philip was doing, spreading the gospel. Uh, I propose that Jesus came to earth and paid the price of death on the cross. He arose from the dead. He stood there on the Mount of Olives, and in essence, he told his disciples, I've done my part now. It's your turn to do yours. And the early church did their part. They took the gospel to the entire world. Does God care less for people today than he did back then? No. What's the difference? Christians today are less willing to be inconvenienced, to to share their faith, than they were in the early days of the church. Let's look at four thoughts this evening. Four thoughts as we consider this sermon title, Witnessing in the Wilderness. Let's jump in tonight. Number one, notice the soul winner. The soul winner. Letter A, the angel's command. The angel's command. Look at Acts chapter 8. And look at verse number 26 with me. The Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. I I love to try to put myself in Bible stories and uh, just try to be there. There was a, a series of Christian cartoons that came out some years ago of kids who had, transport back in time and just be like bird's eye view of, you know, David killing Goliath or Daniel in the lion's den or uh, the various stories, and they would look in and see what was happening. How many of you ever saw those or had your kids watch those? You know what I'm talking about. I think they had them in English and Spanish. Uh, pretty neat to watch. Uh, but I like to try to put myself there and uh, try to be in the shoes of the person. Now, Philip, Philip, Philip was a deacon in the first church, and Philip, um, Uh, was there when the church was persecuted. And so Philip up and moved his family. He had several daughters. He and his wife and his daughters moved from Jerusalem to Samaria. And the gospel was not being taken to the Samaritans. Why? Because the Samaritans and Jews didn't talk to each other. There was an animus between the two of those people groups. And so Jesus ministered to the Samaritans in John chapter 4. But by and large, the disciples wanted little to do with it because of a prejudiced upbringing. And Philip crossed that prejudice barrier and he went into Samaria and he started to preach the gospel. We looked at that last week. And boy, people began to get saved. And great things began to happen. Uh, Demons were departing people and the lame were being made to walk and the blind to see and the dumb were able to speak and the deaf were able to hear. Great things were happening. And uh, boy, revival was breaking out in Samaria. And so Peter and John, the apostles, uh, came from the church of Jerusalem and laid hands, and we looked at this last week, and, and, and prayed over these folks, and the Holy Ghost came and, and dwelled them, and uh, they were, uh, that, that racial barrier was broken down, and they were accepted as part of the brethren right there as part of the Jerusalem uh, church. And so uh, I try to put myself in, in Philip's shoes. Can you imagine being the one that sparked all of this? And so probably Philip is talking about organizing these new converts into a church, just like Peter and the disciples did in Jerusalem. He, they organized them into a church. And so Philip had to have been thinking, we can get the same thing going here in Samaria that is had in Jerusalem. Let's get this up and going. And then all of a sudden, an angel comes down, and gives Philip what I will call a very strange command. He says to Philip, Philip, leave this revival, leave Samaria, and go stand in the middle of the desert. What? That makes no sense. Now, uh, God had a perspective that obviously Philip didn't have. What would you do if God came to you and told you that he wanted you to sell your home and your possessions and go to a barren part of the world and live there. He did that to Abraham, didn't he? Abraham, take your things and go to a land that I'll show you. Genesis 12. You know, uh, he did that. Jesus did that with the disciples, did he not? He looked at the disciples and said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Well, where are we following you? Just follow me. Follow me, but where it doesn't matter where you remember Moses and the children of Israel coming out of Egypt They took a horrible ta- uh, from a tactical standpoint. They took a horrible path out of Egypt and right into a-, a place where they were gridlocked and I imagine the people scratching their head looking at Moses and saying this makes no sense God's ways don't always make sense with human logic but he has a divine logic that is far superior to ours. God sent the angel, God sent the angel, and the command was given, leave this revival where people are being saved, hand over fist, where new converts are being added to a, a presumed church that was organizing. Leave this revival, Philip, and go stand in the middle of the desert. What would you do if God gave you a command and told you to up and leave and go somewhere else let her be noticed philip's compliance philip's compliance look at verse 27 the bible says there and he arose and went no hesitation none none he just got up and he went you and i cannot be effective in our witness until we are tender and obedient to the commands of god we cannot, we cannot be effective until we are tender and obedient. Now, I'll just say this. Philip was willing to go stand in the middle of the desert because Philip had been willing to leave Jerusalem and go to an area where uh, he was looked down upon by other Jews for going. He had already taken steps to obey God, and this was just the next step in obedience to the Lord. I've met people who are so tender hearted toward the spirit of the Lord's leading Uh, that, uh, they'll, I I was out soul winning the guy one time and uh, he pulled the car over on the road and, um, hopped out of his car and he just took off. I mean, pulled off on the side of the road, hopped out, left his uh, door open and took off sprinting down this side road. And I thought, where is this clown going? And he chased a couple of people down as he got close, he's huffing and puffing He's out of breath, you know, probably, a, you know, half a football field away. He said, hey, hold on, I need to give you something. I need to tell you something. And, he, and I get out of the car, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to kind of see what's going on. And, you know, do I want to act like I know him, or do I want to act like I don't know him? And, and so um, uh, he, he, he got those two people on the sidewalk to stop, and the next thing you know, those two people bowed their head, and they were praying to accept Christ in their heart, and, and they were uh, being converted to Christianity. And, uh, we got back in the car and man, he was grinning ear to ear and he looked at me and he said, the spirit of the Lord told me to do that. And I said, well, only with the spirit of the Lord would that work. Um, the spirit of the Lord, as he leads, we must obey. We must obey. Are you tender to the leading of the Lord? How many of you here this evening, when you leave work and you're going home, there are multiple ways for you to get home. Would you raise your hand? There's multiple ways for you to get home from your workplace, um, Do you ever stop when you get ready to leave work? Do you ever stop and ask God, how would you have me go? What way would you have me go? Uh, There may be a gas station. You need to stop at and and, and gas up, fuel up. Do you ever pray and say, Lord, where would you have me fuel up? Is there someone you're going to put along my path? And if we can become compliant in these little areas, then we will become compliant in the big areas as God leads, the soul winner, the soul winner. Philip was busy giving the gospel in Jerusalem and then busy giving the gospel in Samaria. And God did not give Philip any information other than leave this revival and go stand all by yourself in the desolate, barren wilderness of a desert. Just do it. And Philip immediately and completely complied. Number one, the soul winner. Number two, we see the seeker. The seeker. Look with me at verse uh, number 27. We see letter A, the eunuch's authority. The eunuch's authority. Look at verse number 27. The Bible says, Then he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians who had the charge of all her treasure. This man was a eunuch. That means he was unmarried. And this man was uh, had one duty, and that was to serve Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. And uh, he had been so honorable and trustworthy that he had been put in charge of the money of the country. That's a pretty valiant person, right? Uh, he, had, he had earned his way there. You don't just put anyone in a teller position at a bank. How many of you here have ever worked as a teller at a bank? Anybody? One hand. I see a hand over here. Uh, I hear the application and interview process is pretty thorough. Is that accurate? They, they probably check your past pretty, pretty good, do they not, Beverly? They're going to make sure that you're not running off with any cash, slipping a 20 or or $100 bill in your pocket. And um, listen, to be in charge of the money, that meant that you, you were trustworthy, but it also meant that you were powerful. He who holds the purse strings holds the power. And so this eunuch, he wasn't just some schmuck from Ethiopia. He wasn't just some... Guy off the street from Ethiopia, he was high up in the government, governmental structure of Ethiopia. He was a man of authority. And even though he had that authority, there was something lacking in his life. Letter B, we see the eunuch's ambition. The eunuch's ambition. Here he is. He's in, he's in Ethiopia. He's rose into power. He's probably risen to about as much power as he's going to get in the country. And he still feels an emptiness inside. He's seeking for God. He's seeking for truth. Look back at verse 27. The Bible says, And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, Queen of Ethiopians, uh, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. Read Isaiah the prophet. Take your Bibles, to Second Chronicles. That's in the Old Testament, Second Chronicles, chapter number six. He had left Ethiopia and he had taken a long trip across the the Gaza Strip or the desert there. He had come all the way out of Africa and up uh, into Israel and found his way across Judea and into Jerusalem. And he's found his way to the temple. He's in pursuit of God. He's taking those steps toward God. He knows that there's a God and he knows he doesn't quite know who God is and he's searching for God. And so he went to the right place. Look at Second Chronicles 6 verse 32. The Bible says, moreover, concerning the stranger, this is Solomon speaking, which is not of thy people Israel, but is come from a far country, for thy great namesake, and thy mighty hand, and thy stretched out arm. If they come and pray in this house, then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for, that all the people of the earth may know thy name, and fear thee, as doth thy people Israel, and may know that this house which I have built is called by thy name. And this is exactly what happened. This man traveled to the temple. He he went into the temple and he's calling out to the God of Israel and he's searching to find truth and he's hungry to know how to have a relationship with God and he calls out to the name of God and God is going to make sure that his prayer is heard. I, I wonder if he didn't take some vacation time off of work and decide instead of taking the family out to some luxurious vacation spot, maybe I'll just take a trip to uh, Jerusalem. Now, he was a eunuch, so he didn't have a family. But maybe he had a mom and dad. Maybe he had brothers and sisters he could have gone on a vacation with. Uh, but um, nonetheless, he took his vacation time possibly, quite possibly, and uh, he took a trip to Jerusalem. Why? He was going to try to find God. He was on a journey to have a relationship with God. Somewhere along the way, he heard "...about the God of the Jews, somewhere along the way his heart yearned to know more." So what did he do? He traveled to Jerusalem. He walked through the temple. He must have asked people for help. Maybe he visited the temple souvenir shop where he would have bought a copy of the book of Isaiah. And that's my imagination running wild. But somewhere along the way, while in Jerusalem, he picked up a copy of the scroll of the book of Isaiah. He wanted to know the truth. He was ambitious in his seeking, but no one Would help him. Now, why was it that no one helped him? We don't know that. We don't know why no one helped him. Was it because he was from Ethiopia and he didn't look like the rest of the Jews? Was it because he was Gentile? Uh, People avoided him. Was it because that they wanted to help them but they themselves didn't know the truth and didn't know how to help him? We don't know these things, but we know that he went to Jerusalem seeking for answers and he did not get the answer he was looking for. And so he loads back up in his chariot. He packs his bags. He gets back in his chariot, if you will, and he heads back toward Ethiopia. Letter C. We see the eunuch's appointment. The eunuch's appointment. Look back with me at Acts chapter 8. Look at verse number 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Now, before I continue the reading, can you imagine Philip standing in the middle of the desert, twiddling his thumbs all right, Lord, here I am. Tumbleweed blows by. Sure is hot, Lord. <laughs> How long you going to have me out here? Just, just hang tight. Just stand there. And there Philip is just standing there. And this chariot comes rolling by down the desert highway. Right? And um, look at verse number 30. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said... Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, how can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Wow. Philip was put there just so that this man's prayer could be answered. This Ethiopian eunuch was searching for truth no one in Jerusalem would help him and God took Philip away from a revival in Samaria stuck him right in the middle of the desert just so he could meet this man turn over to Romans chapter 10 and verse number 13 you're in Acts just go one book to the right Romans chapter 10 and verse number 13 and listen this is so important that we understand this this evening is that God has given us the responsibility to tell the Ethiopian eunuchs of the world how to find their way to God. Many people are searching and it's on us to do our part to tell them. Look at verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How is someone saved? They come to God in uh, humility in their heart and they call on Him Uh, by faith and understand they're a sinner, a depraved sinner heading toward hell and that Jesus suffered hell for them on the cross and by faith they turn to Jesus and accept His sacrifice in their place and they're born anew into the family of God. We call upon the name of the Lord. And we're familiar with verse 13. Look at verse 14. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. This eunuch. There's a good chance he would have never heard the gospel if Philip had not been obedient. Now quite possibly and quite probably God would have found someone else who would have been obedient. But God called Philip's name because He knew Philip would comply. He knew Philip would obey the command to go. This was a divine appointment. Do you know what a divine appointment is? A divine appointment is when God puts someone in your path And then he expects you to share the gospel with them. Imagine with me, if you will, please, please listen to this. Imagine with me, if you will, that over here you've got... A man named Steve and Steve is going through life he 's having a tough time with life, his marriage is struggling, his children are rebelling and not listening he 's having a hard time at work. His life is in total upheaval. Uh, he was raised uh, in a faith that gave him some idea of who Jesus was, but he never had a full clear understanding of the gospel and His heart is tender, his heart is hurting his heart is beginning to be crunched and broken and uh, he's going through struggles in life and then one day on his way home from work he's distracted he's in a text argument with his wife and he's not looking at the road like he ought to and lo and behold wham he runs in the back of the car in front of him well who does he run in the back of but you you he ran into the back of you and he didn't hurt you it's just a fender bender if you will And God orchestrated this accident because He knows you know the way to heaven. He knows you have the healing balm for His hurting soul with the gospel. And you're so outraged that He ran in the back of you that you're grabbing the back of your neck or you're grabbing your back or you're hopping out of your car and you're in a tizzy, you're upset because your whole day has been inconvenienced by this nut who's looking at his phone and texting And your heart's not tender that God has set up a divine appointment. Boy, instead, Christian, you respond with grace. You get out of that car. You get out and you exchange insurance information. The police is called if necessary. And then you begin to see him with his spiritual need. And the whole reason why he ran into the back of you becomes more abundantly clear. God put him in your path so you would give him the gospel. But imagine, Christian, that your mind isn't where it ought to be. You get in your car and you head home, whether you're nice or not nice, and you don't give him an invitation to church. You don't tell him about the Lord. You don't inquire about his soul. And God's thinking to himself, well, I guess I'll have to try again. I guess I'll have to send someone else along their path to help them. My friend, they cannot hear without a preacher. And that doesn't mean me. I'm preaching right now. That word preacher means proclaimer. They cannot hear without a proclaimer. You're here today, whether you're a little child or you're a senior citizen, whether you're a man or a woman, no matter what stage of life you are in, no matter what your uh, upbringing is, no matter if you're extroverted or introverted, God has called all of us that are saved to be there for the Ethiopian eunuchs of this world and to help them in those divine appointments. I've led lots of people to Christ during a scheduled time that a church has structured for me to go out and share the gospel. But uh, I want to say that I've led a lot of other people to the Lord that God just put in my path on an airplane or a mechanic's waiting room or a doctor's office or uh, some other happen chance meeting where I meet with someone I wasn't expecting and there, there is that opportunity to witness them. My friend, we need to be aware of the divine appointments that God is setting up for us. We see number one, the soul winner. Number two, the seeker. There are many people in this world who are seeking and Christians? We must be willing and ready to give an answer to every man of the hope that lieth within us. Number three, notice Philip's sermon. Philip's sermon. Look at verse number thirty-two. If there's any question about this being a divine appointment, let's keep reading. The the place of the scripture which he read was this. So before we, I continue this. I, I just want to set the stage here. Philip's twiddling his thumbs in the desert, wondering why God sent him there. The, the eunuch from Ethiopia has gone to Jerusalem, he's walked around the temple, he's asked questions, he's not gotten any answers, he's bought a copy of the of scroll of Isaiah, he's got back in his chariot, he's going through, and the book of Isaiah is 66 chapters long. This is no short scroll, okay? This is a long, long, long scroll, and he's gotten all the way to the 53rd chapter of isaiah he's gotten about two-thirds of the way through this long book and this is the spot where philip just so happened to rendezvous with the eunuch this isn't happen chance this is divine verse 32 again the place of the scripture where he read was this he was led as a shear to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shear so opened he not his mouth in his humiliation his judgment was taken away And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered. So Philip's gotten up in the chariot. He's sitting next to him. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet of this, of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. What what did he preach? He preached Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Many people get nervous at the thought of telling someone else about how to be saved. Those nerves are natural, especially if we have little to no experience doing so. What did Philip do to share his faith? You know what he did? He made a big deal about Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus is the answer. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. How many of you here are, know how you got saved? Raise your hand if you know how you got saved. Can you share that with somebody? You say, I don't know how to walk someone through the Romans road. I'm not sure how to do that. Can you tell them how it happened for you? Can you tell them the understanding that you came to and the circumstances you were in and how all that worked? Boy, that's a great starting point, isn't it? Share, make much of Jesus. Speaking of divine appointments... I wanted to share one that with you that God put in my path. This one was especially special for me. And before I share it, I just want to make sure that I'm I'm clear on this. While there have been times where I have caught God's divine appointments, I'm sure I'll get to heaven and God will reveal to me many times where I was so busy and full of myself and just... Spiritually unaware or carnal that there are several divine appointments I'm sure I have missed. April 7th, 2018 was a Saturday. Angela had uh, somewhere she had to be. But she had signed up the kids online to go to a build day at the Home Depot in Derby. So she looks at me and she says, you're up to bat. You get to take them. And it had been an especially long work week, and I did not want to take my kids to stand on a concrete slab while they, you know, tried to force some nails into some wood or paint or whatever it is they were going to be doing at this Home Depot build day. And so I had a bad attitude about it. I don't know that I fought with Angela over it, but I didn't want to go. My heart was not there. And so I got up that Saturday morning, and I got dressed uh, for the church visitation time. And I went to Home Depot. It must have been 8 o'clock in the morning or so. And so there's a section in the store there. They block off an aisle, and they've got tables set up. And they've given the kids uh, kits to build a birdhouse. And so, you know, you take the wood and where the little perforated spot is, you, you hammer the little nail in. And once that's built, they go over to the table and they paint it. And so I helped. Uh, M- Matthew was pretty much able to get the nails in there. I helped April get the nails in her Uh, birdhouse and get it mostly assembled and uh, they headed over to the paint table and I I know nothing about painting and so I just stood there and while I'm standing there with my bad attitude not wanting to be there right just kind of grouchy and grumpy still haven't quite woken up all the way don't even know if I'd had a cup of coffee yet I feel the spirit of the Lord begin to move in my heart and what is he doing he's saying you see that gentleman standing right over there you need to go over and talk to him and I told the Lord in my heart, I said, uh-uh. I am a pastor 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I want a break. I just want a time where I'm not on duty. And so I just kind of, no, I'm not doing it. And again, the Spirit of the Lord, you, within my own spirit, you, you need to go talk to that guy standing across the way. And I I didn't want to do it and another time. And so... I finally gave in and caved and I walked over and the man was standing there with his wife and I started to speak to him and immediately there was a wall. He was polite. There was a wall there. He didn't want to talk and so I kept pursuing and pursuing and after about the third attempt, I brought up a topic that he was passionate about and that wall came down. And so for the next 15 to 20 minutes while the kids painted their birdhouses, I stood there and I talked to this guy. Well, Never mentioned I was a pastor. Never mentioned that, you know, at least for the majority of the conversation, anything about church. Talked to him about what he did for work. He was in construction. And at the very end of the conversation, he looked at me and said, what do you do? And I smiled real big and I said, I am a pastor. He said, oh, really? And I told him about our church. And shame on me, I didn't have any gospel tracts on me because I was grouchy and I didn't want to be there. And so I told him uh, our church name. I told him our church website. I did my best to describe to him those things. I did not witness to him. I did not give him a track. I just barely mentioned in passing I was a Christian and a pastor. Gave him the church name. Matthew and April took their painted birdhouses. April's look better, amen. And we departed Home Depot. Well, April 8th, 2018 was my 30th. Uh, spiritual birthday. And so I celebrated 30 years of being saved that day. The next day, I came into my office. This is now April 9th, 2018, and there's a voicemail on my phone. That voicemail had been left Sunday evening, uh, April 8th. And I picked up the phone, and I pulled up the voicemail, and it was about a five-minute voicemail. And the person that left the voicemail was the man I spoke to, and here's what he said on the voicemail. He said, when you walked away from me, he told me who he was, he said, when you walked away from me, my daughter was on the other side of the space, probably a good 50 yards away, 50 feet away, whatever it was. It was a loud space, hammering and and, and talking and commotion. She walked over to me as you left and she said to me, that man was a pastor, wasn't he? And he said, I looked at her and I said, and I thought to myself, how could have you known that? I had only mentioned it once in passing quickly. And she looked up, uh, he looked at her and said, well, in fact, he was. And she looked up at him and said, see, Dad, there is a God. And turned around and walked away. What I didn't know is that the mother and daughters had been praying for husband and dad for years to come to church. And he had never gone. There were things going on in his life. He said, uh, I decided this morning to get up and get dressed and go to church with my family. There's a church in Oxford, and I know right where the church is. He went to church that day. He said, at the end of the service, I walked forward, and I sat on the front pew with the pastor, and the pastor led me to Jesus Christ. Divine appointments. That was my 30th spiritual birthday present. My friend, God has divine appointments scheduled for you. God's not a respecter of persons. He did it for Philip. He's done it for me many times. He's doing it for you. Are you even aware? Are you looking for those opportunities? Philip, what did he preach? He just preached Jesus. He preached Jesus. Philip's sermon. Number four, we see the eunuch's. Salvation, The eunuch's salvation. Letter A, notice his belief. His belief. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse 36. The Bible says, And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, notice the order here. This is important. Notice the order here. The Ethiopian eunuch asked to be baptized. How did Philip reply? He said, first, you must believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Salvation does not require anything but belief in Jesus. When we repent, we turn from our unbelief and we turn to our belief in Jesus in order to have our sinful souls redeemed in order to have our sins forgiven. This man wanted to be baptized and Philip said, you can't be baptized until you're willing to confess that Jesus Christ Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. Salvation comes before baptism. Our uh, many uh, folks want to baptize babies and I just want to ask this question. How can a baby believe when a baby doesn't even understand that it's a sinner? I've I've challenged many people on this. Show me one baby in the Bible that was baptized. One. You can't. Babies don't get baptized in the Bible. I asked a Catholic priest that one time. And the priest looked looked at me and smiled real big. And he said, I I can't tell you of a baby that was baptized in the Bible. And I said, well, then why do you all do it? And he basically gave me some answer on the line of, well, that's just how we've always done it. Well, that's a terrible reason. That's a terrible reason. Just because we've always done it that way isn't a good reason uh, for precedent to do it. And so belief comes before baptism. And this man declared that Jesus was the Christ. Letter B, we see his baptism. Now, they're in the wilderness. They're in a desert. There's not much water in a desert. But lo and behold, they come upon a pool of water. Look at verse 38. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they were come out of the water, the spirit of the Lord called away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, that's a city in Samaria, and passing through, the, uh, passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So he takes him back to Samaria, where he goes back to preaching that revival. God was done with Philip in the desert, so he transported him to a city in Samaria where he would once again preach the gospel. So let me just say here that baptism follows salvation. And if we're going to preach the Bible and be accurate with the declaring and articulating of the verses, it's important for me to take a moment and say here that baptism is is the first step of obedience after you get saved. You get saved, and the very next thing you are to do is to get baptized. Now, baptism does not save you. Baptism does not wash away your sins. But baptism is a symbol of what Jesus did for you on the cross when he saved you. I wear a wedding ring on the fourth finger of my left hand. The power in that ring is simply in its symbolism. If I take the ring off because I have a rash or I just don't want to wear it, uh, for, for whatever reason, it doesn't change my marital status. I don't have to wear a ring to be married. In fact, some of you in here tonight are married and maybe don't wear a ring for one reason or another. And so, uh, 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 just like a ring does not make me married, it symbolizes my uh, marriage. Uh, the baptismal water does not make you saved, it symbolizes the fact that you are saved. And uh, My wedding ring is powerful in its symbolism, and a baptism is even more powerful in its symbolism because you are willing to identify with the death, that that's you in the water, uh, the burial, that's you going under the water, and the resurrection, that's you coming out of the water. It's also symbolic because it symbolizes the fact that you're willing to die to self in your own ambitions, you're willing to bury those ambitions, and you're willing to raise again and live a new life in Christ. And so there's double symbolism in baptism. And while it's not a requirement to be saved, it is a requirement to be right with God. We are to be baptized. And here this man was willing to quickly identify with Christ. Now, Ethiopia today has a strong Christian heritage. Was it because this Ethiopian... Eunuch got back in his chariot and went back to Ethiopia and took his authority and his position and maybe Candace got saved and maybe the the gospel message spread throughout Ethiopia. We know from uh, historical data that Matthew and possibly Thomas went to Ethiopia and they preached the gospel there as well. I'm sure it was multifaceted. I'm sure it was multidimensional, but no doubt the eunuch's salvation has played a role 2,000 years later, where Christianity is still the dominant language in the nation of Ethiopia. When we obey God, when we are obedient to His leading, God is able to do some incredible things. Every Sunday afternoon after the morning service at the church, the pastor and his 11-year-old son would go out into their town and hand out gospel tracts. This particular Sunday afternoon, as it came time for the pastor and his son to go out to the streets with their tracks, it was very cold, and it was pouring down rain outside. The boy bundled up in the warmest and driest clothes and said, okay, Dad, I'm ready to go. His pastor, Dad, asked, ready for what? Dad, it's time we gather our tracks together and go out like we do every week. Dad responded, son, it's very cold outside, and it's Pouring down rain, the boy gave his dad a surprised look, asking, But dad, aren't people still going to hell even though it's raining? Dad answered, Son, I am not going out into this weather. Despondently, the boy asked, Well, dad, can I go? Please, can I go? The father hesitated for a moment and then said, Son, you can go. Here are the tracks. Be careful. Be careful, son. And with that, he was set off and out into the rain. This 11-year-old boy walked the streets of the town, going door to door and handing everyone he met in the street a gospel tract. After two hours of walking in the rain, he was soaking, bone-chilled wet, and down to his very last tract. He stopped on a corner and looked for someone to hand the tract to, but the streets were totally deserted. Then he turned toward the first home he saw and started up the sidewalk to the front door and rang the doorbell. He rang the bell, but nobody answered. He rang it again and again, but still no one answered. He waited, but still no answer. Finally, this 11-year-old trooper turned to leave, but something stopped him. Again, he turned to the door and rang the bell and knocked loudly on the door with his fist. He waited, something holding him there on the front porch. He rang again. And this time, the door slowly opened. Standing in the doorway was a very sad-looking elderly woman. She softly asked, what can I do for you, son? With radiant eyes and a smile that lit up her world, the little boy said, ma'am, I'm sorry if I disturb you, but I just wanted to tell you that Jesus really does love you. And I came to give you my very last gospel tract, which will tell you about Jesus and his great love. With that, he handed her his last tract and turned to leave. She called to him as he departed, Thank you, son, and, and God bless you. Well, the following Sunday morning in church, Pastor Dad was in the pulpit. As the service began, he asked, Does anyone have a testimony or something they want to say? Slowly, in the back row of the church, an elderly lady stood to her feet. As she began to speak, a look of glorious radiance came from her face, No one in this church knows me. I've never been here before, she said. You see, before last Sunday, I was not a Christian. My husband passed on some time ago, leaving me totally alone in this world. Last Sunday, being a particularly cold and rainy day, it was even more so in my heart that I came to the end of the line where I no longer had any hope or will to live. So I took a rope and a chair and ascended the stairway into the attic of my home. I fastened the rope securely to a rafter in the roof, then stood on the chair and fastened the other end of the rope around my neck. Standing on the chair so lonely and heartbroken I was about to leap off when suddenly the loud ringing of my doorbell downstairs startled me. I thought, I'll oh, wait a minute and whoever it is will go away. I waited and waiting, waited, but the ringing doorbell seemed to get louder and more insistent And the person ringing also started knocking loudly. I thought to myself again, who on earth could this be? Nobody ever rings my bell. Nobody ever comes to visit me. I loosened the rope from my neck and started for the front door. All the while the bell rang, what seemed to be louder and louder. When I opened the door and looked, I could hardly believe my eyes. For there on my front porch was the most radiant and angelic little boy I had ever seen in my life. His smile, oh, I could never describe his smile to you. The words that came from his mouth caused my heart that I had long been dead to leap to life as he exclaimed with a cherub-like voice, ma'am, I just want to tell you that Jesus really does love you. Then he gave me this gospel tract that I hold in my hand. As the little angel disappeared back out into the cold and rain, I closed my door and read slowly every word of that gospel tract. Then I went up to my attic to get my rope and my chair. I wouldn't be needing them anymore. You see, I am now a happy child of the King of Kings. Since the, ad, since the address of your church was on the back of this gospel tract, I have come here to personally say thank you to God's little angel who came just in the nick of time and by so doing spared my soul from an eternity in hell. There was not a dry eye in the church. And as shouts of praise and honor to the king resounded off the very of the rafters of the building, Pastor Dad descended from the pulpit to the front pew where the little angel was seated. He took his sons in his arms, took his son in his arms and sobbed uncontrollably. Are we tender to the leading of the Lord? Like this little boy, are we tender to the leading of the Lord like Philip was? Do we stand ready to give the gospel to every soul that passes our way? Some will accept, some will reject. But my friend, behind that cold face could be a broken heart searching for the truth. And we must be ready, no matter the circumstance, to give an answer of the hope that lieth within us. Let's have our heads bowed. And eyes closed this evening. Lord God, you used Philip to preach a revival. Hundreds, maybe thousands got saved. Then because of his tender heart and his willingness to comply, you took him to a desert place, a wilderness, where just one soul got saved. Lord, that value of that one soul meant just as much as the hundreds or thousands that got saved in Samaria. Lord, we have a world around us that's dying. Sin has plagued them. Lord, we have the hope. We have the answer. May we be ever aware and ready to share it. Lord God, break our hearts this evening. Help us to be a church full of Phillips. That will go where you want us to go. Say what you want us to say. Share with who you'd have us to share. In Jesus' name.